Can new signee Jalen Smith be the New Orleans Saints answer at linebacker? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day to all you everydayers out there. Don't forget, you can also subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss the latest episodes. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints, give you access to all of our exclusive film studies, Q&As, inside information, early access, and much more. And you get to be a part of a community that I would love for you to join. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson. Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media. You can find me as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. Also every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions. Apply on today's episode of Locked on Saints. Who needs to stand out and find a way to shine against the Kansas City Chiefs as we look to the Sunday or we look to this weekend's uh, preseason game? Then we're going to take a look at the national perception around the New Orleans Saints. I was asked an interesting question for our upcoming NFL division preview, and I want to answer it here. What national perception around the New Orleans Saints is wrong? I'm going to give you a different answer than the one that you'll get later on in the preview. Uh, but first, Let's start with Jalen Smith. The New Orleans Saints have signed linebacker Jalen Smith, and is he going to be the answer at linebacker? We'll first present the question that the Saints are trying to answer, and we'll delve into how he could potentially be or not be the answer to that question. Looking at the numbers, yesterday we kind of did the eye test, right? Like, What does Jalen Smith do? How does he fit? What's his role? Will he make the roster? Those kinds of things. And we concluded that Yeah, there's a chance here that Jalen Smith makes the roster because he answers one specific question for the New Orleans Saints. Who is the off-ball linebacker behind Mario Davis and Pete Werner were either of them to have to go off the field to tie a shoe, have a helmet replaced, change their cleats, whatever it might be, who's the guy that steps into that role? Because we haven't seen guys like DeMarco Jackson or Zach Bond or Nephi Sewell or any of these other guys really push enough to say this is my role as the off-ball linebacker. I think DeMarco Jackson has taken some steps forward and he's continuing to develop there, but I don't know that he's done enough to say definitively he's the guy. Nephi Sewell, same thing. Zach Bond, same thing. Ty Summers, uh, you know, all these other guys that are getting these opportunities or, or that are out on the field, that's not necessarily the role that they've stepped into and been like, this is the thing that I'm going to do. Anthony Orgy, as well as, of course, Nick Anderson, who came in as undrafted free agents, fall into that category as well. So the Saints, who have been actively looking at linebacker this offseason, finally find one to bring in, and they bring in former, uh, most, most known for his days with the Dallas Cowboys, linebacker Jalen Smith. But he most recently 
played as a member of the New York Giants. So what is it about Jalen Smith that makes us feel like numbers wise, it makes us feel like, yeah, he could potentially step in and claim that off ball linebacker role. Well, there's a couple of different things for you to look at. The first of which is that in 2,370 coverage snaps throughout his career, he's led up just five touchdowns, but also brought in two interceptions in 14 pass breakups at the same time. And we're just looking at regular season snaps here. I tweeted out yesterday, combined regular and uh, and uh, postseason snaps as well, which just gives him another touchdown. Um, uh, so it's six touchdowns, two interceptions, and then 14 pass breakups. So not a big, big deal or change in the numbers there. But something to consider is that even though he struggled a little bit with the with the um, New York Giants, and then the year before that, he played with the Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, and New York Giants. So you kind of throw years like that out when you're talking about players. Even though he was kind of going through all that, he was still pretty solid. Um, it hasn't let up a 100 passer rating or more since 2019, his uh, penultimate year with the Dallas Cowboys, his penultimate full year with the Dallas Cowboys. He did surrender eight penalties or was called for eight penalties. His final season in 2020 with the Dallas Cowboys as their, their full-time uh, linebacker. So you'd like to see that not be an issue here in New Orleans, especially knowing the way that the flags come out here in New Orleans uh, or when New Orleans are involved in games. And so I think you want to see that get tamed back, but it makes sense in terms of looking at where it is that he could end up impacting. He's a player that can cover in the second level. Now, he's not the same guy that he was before the bowl game injury when he played for Notre Dame and you know, was expected to be a first round draft pick and all that. He had, I believe it was ACL and LCL uh, damage there. And so he misses entire rookie season back in 2016. But when he played for the Dallas Cowboys 2017, 2018, he had good seasons. He had really, really solid season. He would go on to be a 100 plus tackle guy sooner rather than later. And I think that that can be a value to the New Orleans Saints as well. You look at his missed tackle percentage over the course of his career, just 7.6% in the regular season. That's really, really solid for a guy that's made a total of 456 solo tackles, 129 um, uh, uh, assisted tackles. I mean, he's in on a lot of plays. And he's making them. And I think that that's a really important piece of how we should be discussing um, Jalen Smith. So even though last year he wasn't necessarily in his best role like he was with the Dallas Cowboys uh, playing with the New York Giants, he still was no slouch. I mean, when we look at all of the players between the Saints and the New York Giants that played over 200 coverage snaps, there's three New Orleans Saints, Mario Davis, Pete Werner, and Caden Ellis. And then there's Jalen Smith is the only one for the New York Giants, which kind of surprised me. Um, and so when you look at some of the numbers in comparison, you could see that he led up a, a, a larger reception percentage, uh, but gave up fewer yards than all three of the New Orleans Saints linebackers. Uh, when it comes to coverage snaps played, he played the third most out of this group, but not far behind uh, Pete Werner. He had about 32 more snaps than Caden Ellis and less than 20 snaps less than, than Pete Werner. So he was pretty close to what it is in terms of his workload with the New York Giants in terms of what he'll be asked to do here in New Orleans. Um, I think the other thing to look at is his average depth of tackle and where he makes plays upfield. So does he come crashing downfield or is he kind of waiting for plays to get to him? Throughout his career, he's kind of hovered around four to six yards upfield. So that's probably something that tells you that in the run game, he's not necessarily crashing down, but he is making plays when they get to him at the second level. I think you want to see the mentality change a little bit there. But all in all, he seems like a good fit for what the New Orleans Saints also have had at linebacker. And just looking at him most immediately compared to Caden Ellis, particularly in coverage, 
we're not that far off. 9.4 yards per reception for Caden Ellis, 8.8 for Jalen Smith. Um, you look at the yards allowed, 234 versus 211 for Jalen Smith. These guys are really, really close. 25 catches allowed last year by Caden Ellis, 24 allowed by Jalen Smith last year. So I can see numbers-wise why the New Orleans Saints would turn and say, okay, this would be a guy that they feel good investing in. The one thing that I will mention, though, only three missed tackles last year. The Saints, Demario Davis with seven, Pete Werner with four, Caden Ellis with five. His 12.5% missed tackle percentage for last year would have been uh, second best on the team, just behind Pete Werner at 10% uh, out of this group. So from a numbers perspective, it seems to make sense. Uh, the, the one thing that I will say is that even though we're not really comparing him to Demario Davis, but number-wise looking at these numbers, knowing that we're comparing him to guys like Demario Davis, as well as Pete Werner and Caden Ellis, as opposed to guys like Nephi Sewell and Zach Bond, who also took snaps last year, uh, that's usually a pretty good sign that he's going to be better than the depth that you have. And I think that's what you're hoping to see from, from Jalen Smith. He doesn't need to be the third linebacker on the field. He doesn't need to be in place of Demario Davis or Pete Werner. You just need to have somebody out there just in or available to go out there just in case one of these guys needs to come off the field. Coming up next, we're going to answer the question, what is the national media perception around the New Orleans Saints that's most incorrect? Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. It can always feel like a high stakes wager anytime that you're a small business trying to hire for your company. You want to make sure that you have folks that have, you know, that you're getting access to the right information and all the information that should be available to you. That's why you have to try LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people you want to talk to faster and for free. It's going to allow you to use some hiring tools like screening questions and things like that to make sure that you're getting candidates that have the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize those you want to talk to and potentially hire. You can even Spread the word that you're hiring by using the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile. And of course, all of these reasons are amongst the reasons, many more, uh, of why small businesses have voted LinkedIn jobs number one when it comes to delivering quality hires versus some of the leading candidates out there. LinkedIn jobs will help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free today at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Big thank you, as always, to all the everydayers out there, making us your first listen of the day every day. So today, I want to do something a little bit different, taking a, a small break away from the training camp kind of stuff for just a moment uh, for this segment to bring what I thought was an interesting question. So our division previews are a little bit different this year. Instead of it being like an all NFC South show, we're all answering big questions. So you get like all eight divisions in every episode answering questions like, Who's the best quarterback in the division? You won't be surprised about who the NFC South. Well, you'll be surprised by one member of the NFC South, but it's okay. We're all wrong sometimes. Uh, but outside of that, uh, that's kind of the, the structure that we use this year. And, and one of the prompts was, um, what national perception out there is, is incorrect about the team that you cover? And, and we see this all the time, right? Sort of the national media um trying their best to maintain coverage of all 32 teams and they miss out on big details around teams and things like that. We've seen that like embarrassingly. So we've also seen that in sort of situations where it's like, ah, that's probably just something that you, you probably should have known or, or, or whatever. Um, 
you know, it's like looking at Madden ratings when the when the rosters first come out and going like that person's not on this team anymore, like that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I think that it was such an interesting question, and I gave an answer on that show that will be released like later on this month. But I wanted to kind of bring a different answer here to 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 us to our show because I I really think that one of the big national media perceptions around the New Orleans Saints that I think is most incorrect is that there is this general assumption nationally that the Saints are like just going to be basement dwellers uh moving forward and that like now that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are gone that that's just the end of the franchise in this way. I've seen a lot of people you know, and, and some of it's for clicks, some of it's for views and stuff like that. Like, like, I get it. That's why I'm talking about it as opposed to sharing it and, you know, reposting it and doing all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, you'll see stuff to where, you know, five wins projected or, or seven wins projected and stuff like that. And, and I thought it would be a good idea to just kind of remind folks that the Saints won seven games last year with a brand new head coach that is not the same head coach that he is now. I, I can confidently tell you that the kind of more reserved Dennis Allen that we saw last year is not the version of Dennis Allen you're you're seeing this year. Um, and I think that some of that is evidenced in his press conferences and things like that as well. Like he's, you know, he's, he's a little bit more outgoing. He's, the, the, the guards are a little bit more down. He's a little bit more comfortable, all those other things. Uh, but also like even in practice, you can see the, the heat, you can see the fire, you can see all those things. He's, you know, running gassers with the team. He's shouting at the team and getting them reset when they do something wrong and things like that. Like he's coaching, 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 which is really cool to see. Uh, not that he wasn't coaching last year, but I do think that one of the big questions around him last year was like, where's the intensity? Where's the aggression? All that stuff. It was there. It's just that it wasn't like a, a big thing that he, it wasn't his focus as a coach. And it's still not his focus as a coach, but it's clear that he is there and involved this year around in a way that is a little bit different than last year. Uh, he was just involved in a different way last year. And so I think that when, when we look at all these things that the Saints went through last year, they never played, if we accept that Trevor Penning was supposed to be the starter at left tackle, right? They never played a single game with their, with their starting offensive line. Um, we, they certainly never played a single game with their starting uh, defensive secondary in Marshawn Lattimore, Paul Shadibo, Bradley Roby, and then the two safeties in Marshawn Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore uh, Marcus May, as well as uh, Tyron Matthew. A lot of M's in the secondary. And so, um, you know, if we consider all of that, and then we consider that this team had to change quarterbacks, which doesn't really often go well for a team that's not, it's like changing play callers midseason. It's not usually actually a solution. It's a thing that you can do and it makes a statement, but it, it doesn't usually help you midseason uh, or, or through the course of a season. But despite all of that, despite every one of those things, despite all those injuries, despite all the unavailability, despite all the departures over the course of this offseason, David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, Katavia Street, uh, Caden Ellis, Jarvis Landry, all these guys that left and went elsewhere, or in Jarvis Landry's case, we don't know, but he's not back with the team. Um, it, it's not, it shouldn't be crazy that the Saints win more than seven games this year. The, the only team in the division, in the NFC South, that did anything that makes you go, oh, they should have done better with what they had last year based on what they actually had, not the preseason, here's on paper what they should have, but what they actually had throughout the year were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because no matter what, they had Tom Brady. No matter what, they had you know Mike Evans. They had Chris Godwin. I know that he was, they were dealing with injuries and things like that as well, particularly on the offensive line. But you know, Tom Brady was under pressure like 20% of his snaps. I think it was like a league low. So was it really that bad? 
You know what I mean? And so for me, when I look at it and I go, okay, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers underperformed despite the fact that they had the greatest player of all time on their roster. The Carolina Panthers had a collegiate coaching staff for the most part and no identity and no quarterback, and they won seven games. The Atlanta Falcons um, didn't have a defense. Like they had no investment in their defense at all. Uh, and they had a quarterback change as well, going from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter, a young quarterback. Um, and they won seven games. And the New Orleans Saints had injury on injury on injury, never played their starting secondary, never played their starting offensive line, and had a quarterback change and had a first year head coach. Um, and they won seven games. And so, by all intents and purposes, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints kind of overperformed their situation, while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers massively underperformed their situation. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation has only gotten worse while Carolina is on its way to getting better. I would say that. Atlanta's defense is probably better with the addition of Ryan Nielsen and the players that they brought over. It just kind of depends upon what version of those players that they get. And then the New Orleans Saints have clearly gotten better. And I think they are the they they are the ones that have made the biggest leap so far throughout the division. So I have a hard time understanding why folks are going to project five wins, six wins, seven wins, something worse or the same as last year. It doesn't make sense to me. The Saints have made an improvement at the most important position in sports, in football, in sports, whatever, um, at quarterback. And they've improved the rest of their roster and looked at their roster and said, okay, we struggled in the red zone. Jimmy Graham, Michael Thomas is back. Uh, you know, adding Jamal Williams, uh, you know, reinvestment in Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, all that. They fixed that. Um, their, their third and short situation that they had last year, they fixed that. The, now we have to see the play calling tendencies and things like that, like throwing on a second and 10 after an or, or running on a second and 10 after an incomplete pass. Do those trends and tendencies go away? But if those things go away, and in these improvements are indeed improvements as we expect. I don't understand the national perception that the New Orleans Saints won't be better than they were last year, but maybe that's just me. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at who needs to shine versus the Chiefs. Who needs a big day this weekend? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a quick look at Sunday's matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs. Usually on a Sunday, we're doing a big breakdown. We're building the game plan for how to beat the team that the Saints are going to be lining up across from. But this is a preseason game. So really what I want to do is set up the expectations of what you should expect in this game, as well as look at a couple of players that need to shine. So I picked one on offense and one on defense. I'll start with the offense here. And I think that this really needs to be A.T. Perry's coming out party for the New Orleans Saints. His The sixth round pick where the Saints traded away Adam Troutman to the Denver Broncos to move up and make that selection. There was a lot of hope that A.T. Perry was going to come in and kind of be this big bodied, you know, possession receiver that can go up and get it for you while also packing the athleticism to do all the other things. I know I was super high on him coming into the draft process. I talked about him all the time here on the show. And so there was an expectation based upon what we had seen from his collegiate production that we're not necessarily, not necessarily seeing met, at least in what the, the media can see during practice. We're seeing drop passes. We're seeing him, you know, kind of struggle to fight out, you know, defensive backs for passes and things like that. But it's clear that the guy's got it in him and he has the work ethic. That's for certain. I mean, you see him working every single time that you look over at him. He's never sitting on his own. He's never, you know, he's always talking to somebody. He's always picking Michael Thomas's brain a little bit. He's always, you know, working on something, drilling something with a coach or whatever. Like he's putting in the work. So I expect eventually that you'll see the leap, but seeing it in a preseason game could be a ton of fun, right? So this would be the opposite of Emmanuel Butler from years ago. It's where Emmanuel Butler 
balled out during training camp, but then never really contributed on special teams and never really popped off in an, in an in-game situation like a preseason game. Uh, AC Perry has the op- has the opportunity to to pop off in the preseason game. He he has been contributing on special teams, and he's not he's not balling out. I would say in training camp, but he's also not not he's also not disappearing in training camp either. You just want to see a little bit more consistency from him, kind of the way that we talked about Peyton Turner in the past. And so I think that AT Perry, this is really his chance to make a mark, shine, do everything he's got to do um, here on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs under the lights, make it really, really count, you know, that coming out party. And I think similarly over the defensive side, I mentioned his name already, Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner having a good preseason matchup here. And I don't, I don't mean like three sacks in the game or any, anything ridiculous like that, but I think getting a sack at all in this game, showing what he can do in the run game, all those other things as well, uh, just contributing effectively to the defensive line would go a long way uh, for Peyton, or not really go a long way for Peyton Turner. Let me not say it that way, because it's not like he needs to prove much because he's had a really solid preseason game, but it would be a good punctu- or, uh, training camp, but it would be a good punctuation to his training camp thus far to have a nice preseason game here to open up the preseason. I think that's really where I'm going. It's not that it's going to go a long way for him. It's just going to punctuate the long way that he's already come. And I think that that's something that could really have, uh, really help for him. Uh, Dennis Allen is not going to name Peyton Turner or Carl Granderson the starter outside of Cam or opposite Cam Jordan. I don't think he's ever going to name that. Um, I think that there will be a guy that gets the first start in week one, and it might be a different guy that gets the first start in week two. Like I, I just knowing kind of how Dennis Allen operates and his drive for starting competition and using competition to drive players. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't know anything about who the starting defensive end across from uh, uh, Cam Jordan is until week one when they hit the field or something like that, you know, uh, and that's that's good. That's OK. Uh, but if you know, look, Peyton Turner is keeping this thing interesting and no matter what, Peyton Turner is going to get snaps. If you're a if you're a player on the 53 man roster on the defensive line for the New Orleans Saints, you're a starter. You're playing, you're getting snaps. They rotate like crazy. Like that's the way that it always works. And so uh, I, I'm really excited to see if Peyton Turner can maybe punctuate his already strong offseason with a nice preseason game here. Uh, and finally, um, what to expect from the New Orleans Saints preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs? So obviously, like we'll do our postcast and everything. We'll do we'll do our usual stuff. Um, however, um, it, we're not going to be kind of like breaking this down from a, oh, what's wrong with the Saints and what do they need to fix or what went super well and how does this carry forward and stuff like that. We're really going to be looking at kind of the individual players for this one. This is going to kind of be about individual player evaluation as opposed to overall team evaluation. I think that the one exception will be this preseason game because we're expecting that we're going to see the starters for at least the opening drive, some 15 plays or something like that. So if it's like a 10 play opening drive, that's probably it for the starters. But if it's like a four play opening drive, then expect them to probably come back out on the field and then be out there again uh, for the next drive. And so I think just kind of we'll, we'll go over how the starters perform, what we saw from them, kind of like we did last year. We did the same thing last year um, and then kind of take a look at the individual players on offense and defense that stood out. I think that's what our eye is going to be on all of this. Uh, but you're certainly going to want to be paying attention to the, the, the first 15 snaps of the game or so thereabouts for the starters. And then the next 20 something snaps of the game will be kind of the second team. And then after that, you're getting all of the reserve guys in for the rest of the uh, rest of the game. So I would expect Jameis to probably play the first half after the first team and then Jake Hayner to probably play the second half. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. So that that's what I'm expecting from this game. Uh, and that's the way that we're going to be discussing it is we'll look at how the starters performed, 
We'll break down a little bit of depth, and then we'll look at some of the guys that, that stood out and who are helping themselves here. The Saints don't have to make any roster cuts after this game. All the roster cuts now happen at the end of the preseason. You go directly from 90 to, to 53, as opposed to cutting down you know, 5 and 5 and then cutting down to 53. So that's what we'll be looking at um, as we get through the preseason here. And we finally get some football. So I appreciate you guys uh, and everyone for uh, being here uh, and, and being a part of the show. We'll have another live show tonight, probably be around 5.30, 6-ish. Uh, to kind of get you caught up with training camp today we're in the superdome so that'll be fun um and they'll get an opportunity to get acclimated to the superdome especially for some of the new guys that haven't been here before that'll be good for them uh and then we'll be dark on uh saturday but then right back at you on sunday post game to get you uh, all caught up unless there's big news between now and then appreciate you as always y'all for making me part of your day part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show as always if you see me say hi and if you need anything else around your new Orleans saints in between these episodes make sure you follow me on social media at ross jackson n-o-l-a hit me up let me know how the family's doing let me know how you're living let me know how you're mom and them and trust you that nation i'll holla at you